Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Good morning, everybody. Man, I was enjoying myself so much during offering and announcements and testimonies. I almost didn't want to get up here. You guys have just kept on going. You know, uh, that's what church is supposed to be. We come and we fellowship and we celebrate what God has already done and what we believe he's doing in the moment and what he's going to do. So to, uh, to have that this morning was powerful. One more thing I'd like to do is just uh, give a hand to our children's church and our teachers who, during Jericho, blessed our kids. Amen. We had a lot of people serving, the men doing set up and tear down, uh, the women and the teachers, um, and some of the male teachers as well, taking care of our youth. We had our youth, or excuse me, our kids, we had our youth that were there serving for the kids as well. So there was just a lot of people, a lot of hands that were laboring. And, uh, and it just uh, brought me to tears right now hearing some of those testimonies because, you know, it's the things that we don't see, you know what I mean? We can praise God this morning for everything we heard and everything that we got to see, but uh, I'm just convinced that God is doing so much more that we're unaware of. You know, the stories we haven't heard yet and the testimonies we haven't heard. Uh, but just to know that God is moving and that our labor is not in vain when we go out and do some of those things. So uh, how wonderful it is to hear testimonies. <clears throat> I want to... Uh, I want to pray again. I feel like we just can't get enough prayer. I just want to uh, give you guys a little bit of encouragement and warning that uh, I believe that God is significantly up to something in this season, but definitely this morning from the song selection and, and leading from Devin this morning to the testimonies that we heard right down to the offering scripture that was chosen. Uh, I believe it's uh, kind of like we see in the stories in the Bible where God is doing something and if you tap into it, man, you can be blessed. You know, there'll be several people sitting around and Jesus is talking, but only a few of them really pick up on what he's doing and what he's saying. Uh, I just believe with all my heart this morning is one of those kind of days. So pick up on it, you know, focus in on it and receive all that he has for us this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for your house. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for an opportunity to come and to worship you. We thank you for the community of believers, Lord, that we can come and encourage one another and, and laugh together, Lord, and, and uh, rejoice over what you are doing in our lives, Lord, and in this church, Lord, and um, in our extended family right now, Lord. We have several of us from the body that are in different places, Lord, and even overseas right now, worshiping you and praising you, Lord. And we just thank you. Um, we do our best to thank you for, for everything you're doing, but the truth is, 
we can't really see it all and we don't really understand it all, but what we do know is that you are faithful and that you are good and that you never sleep, you never slumber, Lord God. You are active, you are doing things inside of us, Lord, and surrounding us, Lord. So we do our best this morning to thank you for that and to honor you for that. I ask that you would have your way over the word as it goes forth this morning, Lord, that you would encourage your people, Lord, and uh, strengthen us, Lord, challenge us, and, uh, and help us, Lord, just to continue to walk with you. Have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, so I think it's fitting. The title of the message this morning is Walking the Walk and Talking the Talk. Amen. You know, I remember... You know, most of us have had that said probably in the reverse order. Uh, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk, right? You know how there's always those people who are running their mouth, but then they don't really back it up? Somebody say amen. amen. Don't act like, don't front like you ain't either been that person or you don't know somebody like that. Just constantly yapping, talking it, but do not walk it. You know, uh, I forgot who it was this week, but uh, I remember talking to the, to, to the wife and saying, your husband said this. And then there was a pause. I was like, well, did he write a check with his mouth that his butt can't cash? Is he just talking? And there's no, like, real work behind this statement. So this morning, walking the walk and talking the talk is going to be kind of, uh, I hate to say the end, but maybe the conclusion or, or the climax of, of this, this week of Jericho that we've had. Jericho ultimately is about seeking God. Say amen. amen. It is for us, and that's what this conference has been about over the years, is, is seeking God and hearing from him uh, in a different way, in something unique. And, and this idea, uh, as Gary said, hey, every day giving him three hours when we typically maybe don't do that or, or you know, overcoming the, the difficulties of the week. You know, it's interesting how sometimes it's hard just to get here on a Wednesday and the next thing you know, you're there for five, six, seven days straight. Uh, and God does something special in those times. So Jericho, seeking God is what it really is all about. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus says this. He says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Those are the words of the Lord. We sang a song that says, great is your faithfulness, and your promise still stands. So Jesus makes a promise to all of us that if we ask, it'll be given to us. If we seek, we will find. And if we knock, it'll be open to us. So we should ask, we should seek, and we should knock. Amen? Amen. Over the course of uh, Jericho and then last week, I've heard so many wonderful testimonies, just like the ones that we heard this morning, about people seeking God and finding him, right? Before many of us were saved, we used to always say that, is this God real? And what do you mean that you know him? What do you mean you talk to him? But literally, all throughout the week of Jericho and all last week as I'm talking to people, they're saying, I was seeking him and I found him. And I said, well, that's interesting because that's what the Bible says will happen, <laughs> We come to that conference looking for hope in our tough situations. We're looking for answers to problems that have been plaguing us for far too long. Amen. So I want to look at a story this morning in Luke 24 that kind of parallels that Jericho experience in a certain way. I think initially it might not seem that way, but I see Jericho all over this story. So this is Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. See, like our Jericho uh, journey and our Jericho walk last week, you know, we were posting things, we were telling friends and family, and the reality is not a lot of people believed us, right? Not a lot of people said, I believe you saw what you said you saw. I believe you heard what you said you heard. I believe you felt what you said you felt. Not a lot of people believe that. I think it's interesting that as these that were at the tomb went rushing back and they couldn't wait to tell everybody what they saw, right? What they heard, nobody believed them except for one person. And it was Peter, he said, I gotta go see about this for myself. I'm not gonna point the person out, but it's interesting that there's one here this morning that the first time we met was at Jericho. And here they are this morning. I wonder if there's something to this thing. God is good, amen? amen? The other good news is that later on, all those people that they went and told about what they had seen at the tomb and what they had heard, later on, all those people came to faith. They didn't come initially. They didn't go running to see right away. But all of them eventually came to faith later on. So those that went to the tomb that morning, honestly... They came to try to make something that was dead and soon to be rotting just smell a little bit better. Right? They woke up early in the morning and they said, this situation is terrible. The one we love is dead. What can we do? Where can we find hope? They really weren't looking for hope. They went to the tomb to take something that was dead and was about to start stinking and rotting. And they said, we're just going to try to make it smell a little bit better. And you know what the reality is? That many of us have dealt with our Jerichos that way. It's dead, and all we want to do is make it smell a little bit better before it starts rotting and everybody can see how bad it really is. We haven't really come to our Jericho saying, this has to change, there's got to be something better, we're going to find hope. They didn't expect to go to the tomb and find hope. They expected to go to the tomb and find a dead body rotting. What they found was they showed up with some godly fear. They had their heads bowed in a posture of prayer, right? And then they heard a word from heaven that changed everything. I believe that many of us, as you heard the testimonies, had a similar experience as we walked and prayed last week. They come running to the tomb. They have their heads bowed. They expect to see death and destruction. They hear a word from heaven that says there's hope and there's life. We came out there, right? Maybe not really seeing our Jerichos adequately or clearly, but we came in that same posture of humility and prayer with our heads bowed and our mouths closed, expecting to hear a word from heaven. And many of us, as you heard, we heard from heaven. Erica said, I heard him for the first time. I remember arguing with some people last week, you know, who were trying to convince me that, you know, I don't know about Jericho and, and I don't know if we should continue to do that. Not in our church, but just like, why do you do this and why do you do that? And I remember like, if I had hair, I'd have been pulling it out. <laughs> 
So I was like, listen, even if you don't like it and you don't feel it and you don't want to walk and you're not hearing from God, you cannot deny that some people are. What is it worth to you? Is it worth a few hours of sweat seven days in a row for somebody to say, I've never heard from God, but I heard his voice? What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it all me, me, me? What do I like? What do I get? How much fun am I going to have? Or does it mean to be a Christian? I am part of a body. She said, thank you for the prayer team because they prayed over my feet. What if you're supposed to be the mouth, but you don't like to go so you don't show up and there's no mouthpiece for the prayers to come forth to encourage somebody? Here's the word from heaven that they found when they got to the tomb. Verse 5 says this. They were afraid, but they bowed their faces to the earth. And then these angels said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Every answer to every issue that plagues you and that plagues me is not in the past of death. It's in the future of life. See, when we have our Jerichos and our issues and our problems that plague us, there is an answer, but it is not in the death. It is not in the past. It is not in what you already know. It's in the future of life and hope. They came to the tomb expecting to see a dead body, right? And they were hopeless. And the hope that they received said, listen, he's not here. He's not dead. Don't look for your hope. Don't look for your answers here. Look for them somewhere else. When we walk, when we pray, when we live our lives out on a daily basis, what we see is death and destruction, and we see dysfunction. (laughs) But I believe the Lord has shown us not to try to figure out which step along the way was the one where we veered off track, right? So you come to Jericho, and it'd be easy. This is some, some things that I've done in the past, is you start looking back, you know, how did I become addicted to pornography? How did I become addicted to alcohol? How did I first start wanting to get high? How did I become somebody that just had to have sex? How did I become a liar? And you start looking back and you say, this didn't start at 18 or 20 or 30. You go all the way back and you're like, wow, this started early. These roots run deep. God is not trying to get us to say, okay, well, where was that step where I should have went straight and I took a left? Where was that step when I should have went straight and I took a right? See, what he's saying is all of these steps are in the past and they all lead to death, right, left, or straight. What I need to happen is all that has to die and that's death and I need something to be resurrected and something new and some new life for you to go into. Jericho is not about things getting better from your past. It's about something new being birthed into your life. Listen to what the angels say. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This is not just a statement about resurrection in the sense that most of us understand it. We're Christians. So even if we don't apply ourselves a whole lot to think about it, we do understand resurrection. We do understand that our Savior died and that he rose from the dead. But if you can, if you can receive it this morning, that's not really what they're saying to, uh, to those at the tomb this particular morning. The word is not that He's not here in the cemetery with the dead and that he's walking around with the living, right? He's alive. That'd be an easy word to receive, right? Hey, you came to the cemetery. He's not in the cemetery with the dead people. He's risen and alive and he's walking around with, with the living people. It's actually much more important and deep and significant than that. What they're saying is 
He is the first to ever truly live. That the life that he has and alive in him and that he's living with is like nothing you've ever seen before, right? What they're saying is, not only is he not here and he's risen, but that life, that risen life, is not like the lives that are dead in the cemetery. It's not like the people who are alive and walking around outside the cemetery. This is a whole new level of life. When it says he's not, he's not here, he is risen, he's not dead, what it's saying is he's not like any of us. Not like those who are still walking around and came to the tomb. Not like the other dead people who are rotting in their graves. This is a new kind of life. Now apply that to your Jericho. I'm not talking about just your old, dead, stinking life, right? And let's make it a little bit better. Let's talk to a spiritual person. Let's talk to a psychologist. Let's figure out what happened to you and let's fix it. No, we're talking about a whole nother level of born-again life. Let's put it into perspective. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this, In Adam all die, but even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 John 15, 12, or excuse me, 5, 12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. We are all born in Adam, and we're all going to die. But those who are born again in Christ will be the only ones who truly live. If you have the Son, you have life. Not just life like we're experiencing here, a whole new type of life that is above and beyond anything you've ever known. If you're in Adam and you're just a normal person who's living and going through your life, you're going to die just like everybody else is going to die. In Christ, we find a new life. We find a new hope. We find Jericho-destroying power in Christ. That kind of life is not bound by laws, not bound by any laws, right? The major law that, that we are bound by is the law of death and decay. Nobody in here is getting younger or healthier or better. We are all dying and decaying. That's what you see out in the world, right? If, uh, even if you water something like a plant or a tree, it's going to appear to be growing, but it's actually in the process of dying. That's the law that everything goes by. Everything you have in your house, it's getting worse and worse, and eventually it's going to break and not work anymore. The cars that we buy, brand new, they lose their value as soon as you drive it off the lot because it's not as good as it used to be. That is the major law of the world that you live in. And what it means when we talk about Christ saying that he's not here, he's not dead, he's risen and he's alive, what he's saying is there's a new kind of life that does not die and does not decay. Amen. And that kind of life has the power to break any bondage that you're in. Anything that you're struggling with, anything in your heart, anything in your mind, it does not have to uh, comply to that law. It's above and beyond it, and it shatters it. Acts 2.24, it says this about Jesus and that kind of life and that kind of power. It says that Jesus is the one whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Think about that kind of life and that kind of power. God raises him up from the dead because even death, which has destroyed and demolished and had dominion over every other person in history, it's not possible that it can hold him. Amen. That's more than just he's not here in the cemetery, he's over there with the people who are living. This is a new kind of life. 
Romans 8.11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. It's saying, look, that same spirit and that same power that raised him from the dead, if you belong to him, that is in you. And you should have the same victorious power alive in your life. That same confidence. Where you don't come to your Jerichos like, I'm going to find a dead body in a dead tomb that's stinking to make it smell a little bit better. No, you come to your Jerichos like, we are about to destroy and demolish this in our lives. Not because of who we are, but because of who lives within us. This is what it says about you in Romans 6, if you're in Christ. You're not in Adam anymore and you're in Christ. This is what it says about you. Say about me. About me. It says, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. The two different kinds of life here, right? Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That stuff is dead and gone. It's your past. It's your history. And if you look for answers for living victoriously in the death and in the past and in the history, you'll never find what you really need and what you really want. You have to look for the answers to what was dead and decaying right, and dying and plaguing you and plaguing me. We have to look for the answers and the power in the new life and in Christ. I titled the message Walking the Walk and Talking the Talk. Because I believe that there is definitely a time to walk and to be silent and to be praying and to be listening and for God to be able to cut you off, right? There's a time for that. Lord, I'm going to walk. I'm going to be quiet. And many of us probably found ourselves just like David. Like, we're walking. Like, man, I've been talking a lot, Lord. And he's like, well, if you'll shut up, I'll actually talk to you. That's the whole point of it, being silent. Just because nobody else can hear you talking doesn't mean I don't hear you talking. There's a time for that. But I also believe it's important to talk about the Lord and what he's doing as well. We're going to look at what happened after the Jericho of that empty tomb when they came looking for the Lord. It was a somber, head-down kind of walk, like many of us had certain days or certain nights. But after that, there came some walking and talking, and it's actually when the walking and talking happened that their lives were truly changed in this story. God will reveal his truth. He'll show us the difference between life and death. He'll show us the difference between what's eternal and what's temporal. But it's through the walking and talking and wrestling through those things that, have it, that uh, heaven actually comes to earth. We talked about it on Sunday, right? So you can go through that whole walk and hear all these things from God. But if you just close your book, right, all your notes, and you're just like, all right, that was awesome. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Right? You got to open that bad boy back up. Now you got to say, look, Lord, I spent a week walking and listening and head down and just writing down a bunch of things. And now I'm going to actually walk it out. I'm going to talk to you about what you said. I'm going to ask you to provide maybe a little clarity. I'm going to ask you, you know, what, what do I need to do maybe a little bit differently like he said? 
You know, what route do I need to take to work now so my favorite liquor store ain't on the path, right? There's some walking it out and some talking to brothers and some sharing. Those people who testified, right, they put some things out there verbally that now the rest of us have heard, and now we're going to go back to them and say, look, you started to talk about this. I want to talk about it with you. And this is how the things of heaven will come down into earth, into their actual lives further. So this particular portion is not from that, that area of the story uh, after the tomb, but I think this will help paint the picture of what we're talking about. And when I said earlier that I know God is in this and I know God is in this story, uh, what I want to share with you is Genesis chapter 28. And Gary <laughs> went ahead and jumped ahead, praise the Lord. When God's in it, he's in it. Somebody say amen. amen. This is Genesis 28 starting at verse 10. The story that uh, uh, Gary alluded to, it says, Jacob went out from Beersheba, he went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, right? They started ascending first, which means they were already here. It says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on, on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and I'll keep you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that place or city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So many amazing things here, but I want to try my best to just tie it into what we've been talking about today, right? He has an experience with God. Right? He actually sees, uh, he hears God speaking and he sees things coming from heaven to earth and from earth back into heaven. And what happens? First, he starts walking the walk. He gets up and he says, let me get this rock. There's something I have to do. Let me get this rock. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to have a place to pray. This is going to be the house of God. That's where you're going to come in. This is where the guitarist is going to be. This is where the drummers are going to be. Our singers are going to sing from here. Our congregation is going to worship from there. He's doing something and he's laboring. He's walking the walk from what he's experienced with God. But he's also talking the talk. He begins to open his mouth and say, look, Lord, you're doing all these things, and I'm about to do this. It's that walking and talking where he's putting it out there that, you know what? I need to be somebody who is praising. I need to be somebody who, he says, if you continue to do these things as I walk with you in the way that we're going, you're my God. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. 
And then he says, you know what else? I'm going to give. I'm going to give my tithe. Everything you give me, a tenth belongs to you. When somebody comes into the church and you tell them, you need to give a tenth, you need to give a tithe, you need to make an offering. If they haven't touched the heavens, if they haven't had the heavens touch them, it will make no sense to them. But somebody who has heard from God and experienced God, you don't even have to ask them to give because it will come out of them. This is the picture of encountering God and then walking the walk and talking the talk. I love that it put in the scripture that he began to say these things and he began to speak these things out loud. So let's jump back to uh, Luke chapter 24. In the first few verses, they show up at the tomb. It's a Jericho. It's death. It's destruction. There's no hope. He's already going to be stinking. We're just going to put some oil and flowers on him. And all of a sudden, the Jericho wall comes crashing down. And there's life instead of death. And there's a new kind of life. And it'd be easy just to stop there. But now it's time to start walking and time to start talking. Luke chapter 24, the next verse is verse 13. They go leaving out of there, and they tell the 12, and they tell the other uh, disciples. Only Peter comes back, and it picks up in verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked. Say talked. Talked. Say talked. Talked. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed. Say converse. Converse. Not converse. Say conversed. Converse. So while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk? Man, I'm not going to be able to finish today. He's telling them, you're walking, you're talking. You're walking, you're conversing. You're walking and you're reasoning. We're not just shooting the breeze and talking. Reason means that we're thinking about what we're talking about. And we're trying to figure out, is it right, is it wrong, does it make sense, does it not make sense? Have you experienced this before? Have you experienced this before? That's the kind of walking and talking that's happening here. And Jesus comes and gets involved in it. He says, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and you're sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? Isn't it amazing how Jesus is? Listen, Jesus already knows what's going on in your lives. And sometimes he'll ask you what's going on in your life. You know why? Because he wants to hear you talk. He wants to hear you let it out. He wants you not just to walk and labor and do things in the church. He wants you to use that voice and speak about what's going on in your life. They said, don't you know what's going on? Don't you know what's happened here in these days? And he says, what things? You tell me. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a, pro- a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And yes, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. When they did not find his body... They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. They drew near to the village where they were going, and Jesus indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, and he blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What a story, amen? amen. I say it all the time, but it's true every time I say it. This is my favorite story. <laughs> It's my absolute favorite story in the whole Bible. Just to know that he'll show up when we walk and talk. Amen. That he'll present himself sometimes in a fashion where we don't even really recognize him, but he, we know he's there. And that he wants to talk to us and kind of play jokes on us and mess with us a little bit. Who are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then that he'll reveal himself to the point where you're like, oh, it was burning in me, Lord, that was you. I love it. Because it's true. Somebody say amen. amen. So three things. Number one, walking and talking. Say and. Amen. Don't just be a talker. Don't just be a walker. We got to walk the walk and talk the talk. <clears throat> Verse 15 said, so it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Not just sent somebody on his behalf. Not just made them feel like, oh, man, we're having the right conversations. Sometimes we get like that as Christians. When we find ourselves just having a good conversation about God or talking to somebody, we meet somebody that knows the Lord. Or like, we have that feeling of like, man, this feels good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jesus himself drawing near and going with you. This morning, you know, my wife is out of town. My kids stayed last night with the in-laws, got dropped off here. So I woke up at 6 o'clock with nothing to do. I was like, what am I going to do with myself? <laughs> So I went to a coffee shop, got ready, came down here to Brea, went to a coffee shop. I was sitting there and uh, just going over the message and drinking some coffee, eating me a little vegan muffin. <laughs> and I saw this family come in and they just had that Christian glow on them. You know, like when a family comes in and you're like, man, they must be on their way to church. They were like growing, glowing. It was a whole solid family together. So they bought their food and I was sitting there, I was like, hey, you guys on your way to church? And they all looked at me. They said, yeah, we are. Why? I said, what, what church are you guys going to? And they told me the church. I said, oh, I know the pastor. I know the church. I said, you guys are going to have a wonderful day. I said, you guys just look like a blessed family. You look like you know the Lord. And then they began to testify to me about what they've been going through. And then they have three kids. They have four. But the oldest is 23. The second youngest or second oldest is 21. And he was a, a big young man. And they're like, this is our son. He's 21. And he just came back to the Lord. He's been wayward. And it's only been a month. And he shook my hand. I'm like, we had this awesome conversation, right? And it was 
one of those Christian conversations where I could tell they were encouraged, I was encouraged, I was ready to come to church with you guys, they were ready to go to church with those people, and those are blessings and those are wonderful times. But it's something different where you recognize, like, not only are we in the coffee shop talking about the Lord, but the one we're talking about is talking with us. And he's drawn near to be in the conversation, right? How do you get that? How do you know the difference? You got to walk. You got to talk. You got to reason. You got to invite him into the conversation. You got to have more than surface level conversations about what it is that God's doing, right? He doesn't want to hear. He doesn't want to come into your conversation to find out what time your church service is. He doesn't want to come into your conversation to find out what uh, version of the Bible you like the best. Right? He doesn't want to come into the conversation and figure out, hey, what does your church calendar look like? He wants to come into the conversations where you're like, well, what do you think about life and death? What do you think when, when he said he's not here but he's risen? What, what kind of life is it that Jesus has within him that's so different than the life that living people have and definitely different than the life that dead people have? That's when he comes in and says, oh, I, I want to talk about this with you guys. Who are you talking about? What are you guys talking about? I've encountered the Lord in the last week talking about Jericho and what God was doing in Jericho in the same way that I encountered him during Jericho when I was walking and listening. The testimonies are powerful when we get up here and we, and we hear about everything that God did in that week, but if we continue to walk and talk what he did that week, he would have done last week, and then he'll do it next week too if we walk and talk. So number one is walking and talking. They conversed, they reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and he went with them. Number two is clarity. Say clarity. clarity. Verse 21 said, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. When they're telling this man who's walking with them what they were hoping for, they're talking about their disappointments, right? They don't know it's Jesus, and he's walking like, what are you guys talking about, man? Jesus was here, and he was doing miracles. He was healing the blind, and the deaf could hear. He was feeding everybody. We thought he was going to redeem Israel. We thought we were going to be kings on the earth. We thought that we were going to come out of Roman authority and rule, and we were going to rule. Our Messiah had finally come, but he died. They were disappointed, and they were sad, right? God wants to hear about everything. He wants to hear about your disappointments. He wants to hear about your victories. He wants to hear what you're struggling with and the areas where you're just so confident. Have all those conversations with the Lord. You've got to talk. But they were talking about something they thought was defeat. They were talking about something they thought was disappointment. And what does the Lord do? He says, listen, I have some clarity that I want to give you. It's not that what you're experiencing isn't to a certain degree, like true and real and how you feel is how you feel, but you need clarity. You don't quite see it the way that you should be seeing it. Some people probably came out of our Jerichos and you heard something and you saw something and you felt something. And I guarantee you this, if you continue to walk and talk it out with God, he'll provide clarity. He'll take what you thought you heard and what you thought you wrote down and what you thought it meant and he'll say, no, this is what I was really trying to say. Write it down again. Add another paragraph to that sentence. Listen to what Jesus says. 
He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, and all this is verse 25, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So this is the, the clarity and how it comes forth. We thought he was going to keep delivering us till we come out of Roman rule and we become the authority. He says, no, let me give you clarity. I have done more than that. Not only have I redeemed you, Israel, I've made a way to redeem everybody. And he said, the way that you'll understand it is if I, if I open the scriptures and begin to walk you through this. I challenge each and every one of you, go back to your notes and begin to search the scriptures for things that apply to it. And watch what will happen. Watch how you take what you thought was your Jericho and you thought was your situation and your circumstance and a word that God had to say about it. And then when you get to the scriptures, he will expand that and you'll see it so much more clearly. Oh, Lord, I'm only in I'm only in stage five of 10 stages of what you were doing in this chapter and with these people. Is that what you're going to do for me? Man, Lord, provide clarity. I thought I was going to come out of Jericho and the walls were going to fall and I was going to feel like this. Well, maybe that's how they felt on the road to Emmaus. They thought that we were going to be redeemed and be the kings. But no, you said you're going to be humble servants and I'm going to raise you in newness of life and then I'm going to give you a whole brand new world. Amen. And all you wanted was this desert in Israel. What about you in your life? How many of us could use a little clarity? Amen. Walk the walk and talk the talk, church. It's not wishful thinking. I'm not talking about, you know, God, make it more than it is and make it, make it sound better, make me feel better about my bad circumstance or situation. That's, that's wishful thinking. I'm talking about the truth of heaven being brought down into your life with crystal clear clarity. Last one. <clears throat> Talking captivates and compels the Lord to stay with you when you're done walking. Talking will captivate and compel the Lord to stay with you, even when you're done walking. Many of us, if we're honest, don't raise your hand, but every night you were excited when you were walking, you're hearing God and, and, the, and the, the worship and the prayer, and then the word comes forth, and you write in your notes, and you finish in prayer, and then as soon as you were done, you're like, man, I'm tired, I'm going home, go to bed. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just exhausted. I can't do this anymore. And then the next day you get up and you go on to the next thing. And the reality is that for many of us, we probably didn't hear the Lord from the time we left the park at night, right, until we came back the next night. And he was like, listen, if you would just talk to me on your way home, if you would just talk to me about what happened at the park, if you would just talk to your spouse or to your kids about what happened at the park, I'll stay with you. If you leave church this morning and you just talk to me, I'll stay. Verse 28 and 29 of our scripture today says this. They drew near to the village where they were going, and Jesus indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, they constrained him, saying, abide with us. For it's toward evening and the day is far spent and he went in to stay with them. If you don't open your mouth, he's going to keep on going where he was going. Amen. Right? We walked with him around the city and then we sat with him at a service and we praised him and we came to, to get prayer 
with him and through him and from him and from his servants. And then he was like, well, look, I'm headed to La Habra. Like, I came through Brea, and I'm glad I had the time with you, but I'm headed to La Habra. And then I'm headed to La Mirada, right? And then I'm headed to Norwalk. I'm going down Imperial Highway. I, I, got, I got places to be. And because we didn't open our mouths, many of us didn't encounter him until the next day when he was walking in the same area we were walking. And he's saying, listen, if you would just say like these did, would you stay with me tonight? Abide with, come into our house. You don't have to keep going. Come stay with me. I live over here. I live over there. Come stay with me, and then we'll go back to the park together. Isn't it interesting that God, when he resurrected with newness of life and a new power inside of him, you know what he decided to do? Go walk with two guys that were just walking and talking. Of all the things that the Savior and resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords could do, what did he want to do? He wanted to go talk with two people who were walking and talking. And then as if he didn't have important things to do with the only 40 days that he had, he chose to spend it because they asked him to with these two dudes and just go inside their house and hang out with them. And you're telling me he won't do that for you and he won't do that for me. It compels him to want to stay with us. And here's the words that they spoke, abide with us. They didn't say fix our problem. They didn't say make us feel better about what happened. They didn't say make the journey less difficult. They didn't say, hey, we got a few things that we could use at the house. All they said was abide with us. Do you want the blessings of God or do you want God? Do you want the power of Jesus or do you want Jesus? Do you want to talk to him about everything that's going on in your life or do you want to hear from him the things of heaven? Abide with us. Abide with us. Simple words, but so important to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Some prayer folks. If you're on that prayer team, if you guys would come. Why don't we all stand? Today's altar call is about walking and talking. (laughs) Walking the walk and talking the talk. You know, as you come to the altar, that's the walking the walk, right? You could stay in your seat or you can walk with the Lord. You can put one foot in front of the other. We heard it said that, you know, somebody spoke to, I mean, the Lord spoke to one of our our folks here during Jericho that, hey, um, you have to do your part. To me this morning, doing your part is just about coming to the altar, walking the walk. But when you get here, It's about talking the talk. Talk to God. Talk about things that matter. Talk about your Jericho. Talk about your victories. Talk about your defeats. Talk about your perspective that maybe he'll give you clarity. Maybe he would begin to open the scriptures. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us all things, but also that he will remind us of the things that Jesus has already said. That's talk. That's conversation. That's engaging. That's reasoning. And that's what we come to the altar to do. We come to repent, we come to to ask for help, we come to ask for forgiveness, and then we come to ask for revelation. Lord, speak to me down here at this place. We've walked and we've talked. Now abide, Lord. Stay with me. Those that come, don't, don't leave the Lord here at the altar like some of us may have left him at the park, like some of us may leave him between Wednesday and Sunday. Now's the time to walk the walk, talk the talk, and then always ask him, abide, Lord. Before you leave the altar, tell him, hey, this is, this is my car. He knows what kind of car you got. But the same way that he told these two, what are you guys talking about? What things? He's going to say the same thing. What do you drive? Am I, can I sit in the front or am I in the back? Or, I mean, talk to him. Talk to him. 
As we do that, I'm gonna open altars just a second. We're also gonna open the, the table to receive communion. It's already poured, nobody's gonna serve you. This can be your way of saying, I walked with him, we talked together, and then we invited him in, right? We invited him in to, to have dinner with us. And then you get to get the, the juice for you and the Lord, and you get to get the bread for you and the Lord, doing your part. The end of our scripture today, verse 30 said this, Jesus comes into the house with them to abide with them. And it says, it came to pass that as the Lord sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it. He gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. See, there's something about walking, there's something about talking, and then there's something about communing with God. Where you realize he's giving me the bread of his life broken for me. He's giving me his blood shed for me. And you can see him in a way of clarity that you've never seen him before. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes with me. Just a moment of humility, a moment of obedience. Just close your eyes. If you're in this place this morning and you've never actually given your life to Jesus, you know who he is and you've heard stories about him and People have even told you, hey, the tomb is empty. He's not dead. He's alive. But at this point in your life, you've never gone to look for yourself. You've never had him come alongside you and say, hey, I am alive and I'm here with you. If that's you and this morning you want to, you want to be introduced to him, you want him to reveal himself to you. I promise you a few things. The heads are bowed, the eyes are closed. I promise you that he's here and he's beside you. And he always has been. He's been walking with you. But he wants to reveal who he really is to you this morning, that you can really receive him. You just have to open yourself to that and, and, uh, and surrender. If that's you, you want today to be your day of surrender. You really want to invite him to, to be in you and to live in you. Would you raise your hand so I can see you? Nobody else is looking at you. It's just me and you this morning. I see you, sis. He loves you so much. He's been walking right next to you, and today he's going to reveal himself to you in a new way. Thank you, Lord, for her and her salvation. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else today? Oh, I see you, sis. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Show yourself, God. Show yourself. You're so good, and you are so faithful. Hallelujah. Anybody else before we move on? You know, we sing a song that says he'd leave the 99 for the one. This morning was all about the two of you. We all got blessed, but he wants you. He loves you. He's been looking for you. You think you've been looking for him? He's been looking for you. He's been waiting for you. Thank you, God. One of our elders will get with the two of you, ladies, and uh, talk to you and, and pray with you. If you're here, and uh, last thing I want to ask is, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and maybe you're on the verge of salvation. You've been thinking about it, and you've been maybe wanting to take those steps, but you never have because you still have some questions. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel like you're being pushed over the edge. It's okay to have questions. If that's you, would you raise your hand so that I could see you? Hallelujah. You're seen. We'll get those questions answered. Again, one of our elders will talk to you. Anybody else? You've got questions that you really want to be answered. You want to make a good decision and a strong decision about giving your life to the Lord, and you just have some questions that you feel like need to be answered. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so good. So I'm going to pray. We're going to open the altar for uh, those that need to come, need to walk, need to talk to the Lord. We're going to open communion. But I want to share the, the last scripture. When that whole story is over, they come to the tomb. 
Then they walk along the road. They come back to the upper room and they're all telling this story of, man, we saw him and the tomb was empty. Well, he came and walked with us and he had communion with us. The very next verse is Luke 24, 36. When they're in the room, it says, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said to them, peace to you. Lord, I thank you for this service this morning. I thank you more than anything, Lord, for the salvations, God. We all want our lives to get better in you, Lord God. But we didn't have life until we had you. So for the two ladies here this morning that have received new life, Lord, reveal to them that this is not just a better life. This is not just a more hopeful life. That old things have passed away. They have died with you. Everything in their past is history. It's dead and it's gone. And they're raised in newness of life this morning, Lord God. This is true in heaven. There is a ladder, Lord, where these things will come down into their lives. But as they walk it out and as they talk it out, as they reason about these things, as they search the scriptures, Lord, as you send other women around them and other men around them to help them and to pray with them, and to provide clarity, Lord God, they will come to see that these things are true and have always been true about them, Lord. We ask you, Lord, as we studied in Hebrews this week, Lord, that as they may endure a season of difficulty, of challenge, of tribulation, Lord God, of uncertainty about a lot of things. We pray that the body would come around them and encourage them. We have all been through it, Lord. We have all been lost. We have all thought about turning around, Lord, but there is nothing behind them. Everything is ahead of them, Lord God. They are not alone. Don't let them walk alone. Don't let them feel like they are alone, God. They've come into a body. They've come into a community, Lord God, that has been established by you and you are the head. Bless them, Lord God. As your sons and daughters come to the altar, Lord, speak to them and hear them, Lord God. Provide clarity at this altar, Lord Jesus. Here we are gathered just like they were back then. And you said that you came and you stood in their midst. Would you come in our midst? Would you be here with us? And we want to hear the same word that you had for them. Peace. Peace. Have your way in Jesus' name. Altars are open. Communion is open. We love you, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.